There's a story about a, a man, or in fact a rabbi, in a small Jewish town in Russia that would disappear each Friday morning for several hours. And his disciples boasted that their rabbi, during those hours, would go up to heaven and talk to God. A stranger moved into that little village, and being skeptical about all this, as most of us would, he decided that he would actually check things out, or in other words, spy on the rabbi. He hides and he watched. The rabbi got up in the morning, he said his prayers, and then he would dress in peasant clothing. He would grab an axe, go off into the woods, and cut firewood, which he would then haul to a shack on the outskirt of the village. There on the outskirts of the village was an old woman and her sick son that lived there, so he left them wood enough for a week, and then he would sneak back home. Having observed the rabbi's actions, the newcomer stays on in the village and becomes his disciple. And whenever he would hear one of the villagers say, Oh, on Friday morning, our rabbi goes all the way to heaven, the newcomer would quietly add, If not higher. You see, we are closest to God. We are closest to heaven when we serve other people in Christ's name. We're told in Philippians chapter 2, what was read to us, verses 3 through 11, to do nothing out of selfish ambition. Well, right there, we've all fallen short. Or vain conceit, but in humility, consider yourself, I'm sorry, consider others better than yourselves. We used to sing a song that would say, J-O-Y, J-O-Y, this must surely mean Jesus first and yourself last and others in between. The scripture goes on to say that our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And then Paul, through the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, tells us what Christ's attitude really was. Uh, that, that in, in fact, that he was God, he emptied himself. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. He emptied himself literally of his glory, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and ultimately, as the scriptures was read to us this morning, was so obedient that his, his obedience found its glory in the cross. So Paul writes that Jesus took the very nature of a servant. And again, as, as I would tell you, if you looked at the original Greek, to empty himself uh, made himself nothing, as some versions say, it does simply mean he emptied himself of his glory. He became like us. He was humble. He, be, he denied himself of his self-interest. When he was tempted and Satan said, just worship me and I'll give you all of this. And, and if you'll just jump off this, this cliff and, and, you know, the scriptures will tell you that, you know, you won't dash your foot on a stone and I'll, you know, just turn these rocks into bread. He, he wouldn't do it because it wasn't about him. When we take on the role and the, 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 the mindset of Christ, life is no longer about us. Christ put aside his will. In fact, there's a verse, and I wish I had written it down, where Jesus actually says, I do nothing except what the Father tells me to do. 
So this morning, candidate or not, officer, soldier or not, if you claim to be a Christian, God's will for you is to serve. Now, you may serve in a different capacity, and, and as we should. Paul talks about in other parts that the, that the church is like a body, and, and we need hands and feet and ears and eyes. And no, the ears aren't trying to be the eyes. The eyes aren't trying to be the feet. We've all got our place. As one in one commercial, the man says, stay in your lane, bro. It's okay to stay in, in your lane, but while you're in your lane, be a servant. Do what you're supposed to do. Jesus told two of his disciples who were really, you got to love these disciples. We all think we're so much greater than them, but really we're just like them. They were arguing over who was the greatest. I, don't, I know we don't dare do that kind of thing, but in Matthew 20, 26, and 28, Jesus actually scolded them and said, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great, as apparently they did in their eyes, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I'm pretty sure it was crickets after that conversation. But how hard is it at times to be the servant? We still battle, even as believers, and as part of our sanctification, but we still battle me, right? We still battle that person who, who, who fights to get off the cross. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. But there's times, as one Salvation Army officer used to say to me, the old man tries to get off the cross, and we want to be served. We would never say that. I'll never forget when we went to, to Bringle Holiness Institute, the, the weirdest thing to me was that they told us to sit down during mealtime, and they would serve us. And I said, well, I mean, that's just, that, that's, that doesn't set well with, with us, as, as really it shouldn't. We, we want to serve. Serving is not a, a, a responsibility as much as it is something that we should enjoy, because in serving, we are more like Jesus. We show Jesus when we serve each other. It's not just those in need. We're all in need, every one of us in this room. There's a great illustration of a, of a man named um, Eric Schwartz. Eric Schwartz, dressed in army fatigues, he had a motorcycle, he would roar through the city, he had long hair, his beard was full, which made him look a lot older than his 18 years. Unfortunately, Eric was proud of his tough image, and so he would do things that would make himself look tough, and unfortunately, he was arrested for shoplifting. Since Eric was a first-time offender, though, the judge sentenced him to several hours of community service instead of jail. So Eric, instead of going to jail, decided to do his time at a homeless shelter or soup kitchen for the homeless called the Shepherd's Table. So instead of going to jail, he stood in the kitchen and he peeled potatoes, he served food, he mopped floors, and honestly, the sights and the sounds and the smells really got him down. It depressed him. It was to him a place for the poor, the broken, the lonely, uh, the needy. And it reminded him, actually, of himself on the inside. 
So after a while, he began to talk with the people. He had expected to find a bunch of drunken bums, but instead he met a variety of people that were just caught in a trap. There was a Vietnam War veteran who worked, but he never had enough money at month's end. He met an older woman who had lost her home after her husband had died, and so again, she just couldn't make ends meet. He also met a young mother with three small children who lived in one room. A family who had lost a farm struggled to find work in the city. And as he began to hear these stories, it broke his heart. He didn't feel so tough after a while. In fact, he began to actually enjoy how he felt when he would serve other people. One evening after supper, he was wiping tables when he felt a little tug at his camouflage pants. And a young girl looked up to him and said, Mr., are you Jesus? And he was startled, as anybody would be. He said, huh? Well, you must be Jesus, she insisted. Mama told me Jesus loves poor people like us. And that changed his heart, you see. There is joy in serving others in the name of Christ. I can't tell you how many times I've left a disaster exhausted and filled at the same time. Physically exhausted, never went hungry. Uh, we can eat now, but exhausted physically and spiritually, but at the same time thinking, wow, those people minister to me more than I ever ministered to them. Christ came to serve, not to be served. He was a different God. He is a different God. We think of gods as the Romans would think we would serve them. In fact, you don't dare make the gods angry. They may send lightning or thunder. And yet Jesus says, no, if you're going to be like me, you serve what God serves. When we give our lives over to God, we in turn get a gift. Not just salvation. Yes, of course, salvation. But the gift of serving. The Orders and regulations for officers, and that's, there's a lot in that book, states this, though, very simply, an officer is, first of all, the servant of all. Now, some of you in there just took a sigh of relief and thought, well, that ain't me. Well, actually, it is, because before the orders and regulation was written, Jesus said, if you want to be great, if you want to be like me, you serve. You see, as an officer, it's my God-given calling to be a servant. But so is yours, just in a different capacity, maybe. Becoming more and more like Jesus means taking less the role of, of leader or boss, supervisor, and actually turning that into a servant role. Long before the term servant leadership was popular, Jesus was a servant leader. And when we say serve, we, we probably will never do the things Jesus did. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And, and, and so to understand that culture, that meant that he did the lowest of the low. Now, I don't know what that would be for today. But when I think of people who have to take care of, of people who are invalid or who cannot clean themselves. To me, that would, I would consider that today, that's probably the lowest form of a servant 
is that they would do things that, that we would say, oh, I don't, don't want to get my hands dirty, so to speak. Jesus washed the disciples' feet, and no, he didn't take off their Air Jordans and then their, their you know, cotton socks. They had sandals if they were lucky. Their feet probably looked awful. I know you think your feet look awful and you wear shoes. They don't. Theirs was probably awful. And yet he, he took off his, his, his uh, outer layer of clothing and he washed, he washed his disciples' feet to the point where Peter said, come on now, that's too much. Right? That's, in other words, Peter was saying, that's below you. You ever said that? Well, you, you, you shouldn't do that. That's below you. Here's, here's the thing that we have to hear, all of us. In God's economy, nothing is below us. Nothing. There's a song that was written many years ago that, that actually speaks of serving others. Not just serving, but in every thought, it was of other people. And it says, Lord, help me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. And the chorus said, Others, Lord, let this my motto be, help me to live for others that I may live like thee. The last part says, And when my work on earth is done and my new work in heaven begun, may I forget the crown I've won while thinking still of others. You've probably heard the, 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 this true story of uh, when William Booth was general uh, during his, his time and the founder couldn't go to this large uh, congress and I believe it was like around New Year's and he just couldn't make it and they said, well, tell you what, why, can you just send a telegram? And uh, being very frugal and smart guys to save money, he sent one word. But that one word meant a lot. He just wrote others. And even today, now, we are reminded of that word. We are here to serve others. Why? Because Jesus served us. You've probably heard of John Maxwell. Some people like him, some don't. But I think he's got some pretty neat ideas about leadership. And this is what he said in, in the 21 indis indispensable qualities of a leader. Quote, where is your heart when it comes to serving others? Do you desire to become a leader for the perks and benefits? Or are you motivated by a desire to help others? If you really want to become the kind of leader that people want to follow, you will have to settle this issue of servanthood. If your attitude is to be served rather than to serve, you may be headed for trouble. What did Jesus say? The Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve. There is joy in serving. You, you, in fact, in a way, we kind of talked about this in Sunday school about, being, uh, about giving away possessions that you really don't need. It, it frees you. It gives you a happiness. There is joy when we realize that, that we are just a small part of something so much bigger. Don't lose the joy in, in service to the Lord. I know it's easy to. It's tempting to. Why do you think that verse is there that says, do not grow weary in doing good? Because it's easy to. Nobody grows weary in doing evil. Right? They don't. They just seem to have an unlimited supply of strength to do bad things. But to do good, you know why? 
Because when we do good, we're, we're, we're going against the wind in this world, right? Uh, you're, you, there's friction in this world. Now, you don't see it, but, but, and you may not even feel it physically. I doubt you'd feel it, but you see it. I, I, I have sat in my office and thought, why is it so hard to do good things? Everybody says they want to do good things until it's time to do them. Because when people do evil, that's the, that's the natural flow of this world. But when we go to do good things, there's interference all the time. And eventually, if you've got interference constantly, you kind of get tired of it, right? You kind of just say, man, I, I mean, is this even worth it? And Jesus reminds us it is. Not everybody was happy to see Christ. When he came to their community, there was one place he went, they wanted to throw him off a cliff. Remember Jesus' words. He tells us when he returns, when he separates the sheep and the goats, the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. If you have your Bibles, just go there for a second. Matthew 26, verse uh, in, the, in that whole chapter, really, he, he's reminding his disciples of what, what is it going to be like, uh, you know, when, this, when, these things, when these things happen. And um, actually, it's not Matthew 26. I wrote the wrong scripture down. Um, but it's, it's actually uh, Matthew 25, I believe. Uh, yes, Matthew 25, starting with verse 31. You know, for me, and, and I'm just going to share this with you in, in the time that I have, to me, that is the most scariest scripture in the Bible. And it scares me because he's not talking to people who, can, who consider themselves unchurched. He's talking to, to people who go to church. He's talking to people who, who say, but I did all these things. Or I, I thought that we, don't, don't you know me, Lord? I come to church. I wear a uniform. I do this or I can do that. And really Jesus says, I don't know you. When, when did we see you like that, Lord? When, when did we see you? And he, and he finally says, you, you didn't do any of these things. Because... God in Scripture, Jesus in Scripture, if, if He is closest to anyone, it is, it is the marginalized. It is those who don't have. It is those who don't have enough. And Jesus is saying to church folk, when, where were you when I needed you? There's a great, um, if, if you know, and I have to remind myself who's in the audience, but if you're a fan of country music from decades ago, you would know of a guy that we used to call Grandpa Jones. And he would do this Christmas poem about the three guests and how the Lord said to him, hey, on this Christmas morning, I'm going to come to your house. And he got his house ready, and he was ready for the Lord, and, and I can't tell it all the way, but basically there was a guy that came that was lost and didn't know where he was and he helped him find his way and he said now Lord I still expect you to come and then another knock on the door and it was a little girl that was hungry and he gave her some food 
And again, as the, the day was getting longer, he, he kind of started to think, well, wait a minute, Lord, you said I would come. And then another uh, stranger came, and I think he needed a, a blanket or a coat, and so he gave him that. And at the end of the day, he just said, Lord, you didn't come. What happened? And you, I can tell you know the story. God said, well, actually, I did come. And I was the girl, and I was the man who was lost, and you, you took care of me. Yes, I did visit you. I wonder how many times we have said, I'm sorry, I don't have time for you right now. And we weren't talking to anyone but the Lord himself. Because that's really what he's saying. Friends, we need to have the attitude of a servant. It is a hard issue, as so many things are in our world today. Does that mean we're always going to get it right? No. But it does mean that we can live in such a way where our heart's desire is to serve. And when our heart's desire is to serve, God will find opportunities for us to serve. Will you serve like the person sitting next to you? No, and you don't have to. That's the great thing about it. God finds ways for all of us to serve in his name. We need to be grateful that God gives us opportunities to serve in his name because as Christians, we bear his name. And so today, we want to give God all the praise and honor uh, for being able to serve in His name. And we don't need to take any credit for anything. It's God that gives us the ability to serve. It's God that gives us the joy to serve. Uh, and so we're going to sing this chorus.